You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Fancy gear kind of bugs me. Um, I'm going to say it because I, I can't afford fancy gear. But at the end of the day, the Shakespeare fishing rod combo guy that I was had the same problem that the Sage or the G Loomis fishing combo guys had and that is you gotta fake out the fish and it doesn't matter how fancy your fishing rod is everybody's got the same problem every day when we go fishing right i love that that's so true i find that a lot too because i i do talk to a lot of gearheads um and i struggle with that because i think most people that are truly passionate about anything yeah the gear is important but it's bigger than the gear absolutely you know yes yes it very much is you know but right now i can go catch fish with what i've got and learn to use it so that when i acquire somehow someday that fishing rod i can appreciate it even more Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, capturing the fly fishing life, featuring in-depth conversation with fly fishers from all walks of life. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop, your source for all things fly fishing. DamianAndy.com, featuring custom music by Damian Anderson. Find out more at D-A-M-I-O-N-A-N-D-Y.com. Broken Tippet Fly Company. For blog and fly fishing apparel, check out brokentippet.com. And Wait For It Films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, visit Wait For It Films on YouTube or at thewaitcreativeco.com. Get ready for the 2023 fly fishing season with the Fly Crate. We have hundreds of trout, bass, panfish, and saltwater flies, ranging from the classic elk hair caddis to jigged Euronymphs. Join thousands of other fly anglers who fish with the Fly Crate. Listeners of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast get 10% off their first order, plus receive free shipping on all U.S. orders over $45. Order today. Go to www.theflycrate.com and use the promo code FLYFISH97 to save 10%. Well, we're really happy you are joining us this time around for another edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hopley, and we're going to take you out to the Fraser Valley. We seem to be heading back that way a lot lately, uh, Abbotsford <laughs> in particular. Uh, we've got Brian Carpenter on the line. Now, Brian, we've uh, been trying to catch up with for some time. I know this guy's pretty avid when it comes to fly fishing, and he's a smart dude, teacher in School District 34, uh, graduate of SFU. Um, uh, we, we can talk about, apparently, synthetic chemistry, which which this is new to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he has a master's of science from uh, university of Calgary, but aside from that, he's a real good dude. And we, we met up a few times at, at trade shows and whatnot. And, and Brian, thanks for taking the time, man. I, I really appreciate it. It's great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm, I'm here to talk about fly fishing and, you know, just being passionate about catching fish. Well, and you also have a podcast, which we can do a deep dive on that too, Fresh Air at 5. And uh, yeah, so there's a million, million roads we can go down, right? <laughs> lots, lots of directions we can go here. So let's, and, see where the, let's see where the river flows, right? And you ran into a good buddy of mine, Sheffy, on a lake that maybe shall not be named that uh, I know I got your sticker um, was it yes. Bobber Down? No, it wasn't Bobber Down. Yeah. It was no, it's it is it's Bobber Down, British Columbia, and that was a, a creative venture that just started at the end of April. Um, and we made stickers, and I don't make T-shirts for people, but uh, I got stickers that we could put on our boats and our trucks and stuff like that. So hmm. that's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I got the Bobber Down one, but he just gave me a new one that you gave him on that lake, and I, I can't remember what it said. I thought it said something slightly different. Am I losing it? No, no, it was just that. Let let's uh, let's do a deep dive in your fly fishing, Brian. So, um, 
if you had to look back kind of when this obsession started, you know, um, walk us through that journey a little bit. How did you first come to find it? All right. So I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and there's the Bow River in Calgary, Alberta. And growing up, all I knew about the Bow River was it was a river that flowed through Calgary. That is actually true. That's all I knew. And I got into university and I had a friend who was from Olds, Alberta, up north. And uh, he kind of fly fished and took me and another guy out to Kananaskis. And we stood in this really cold pond and pretended to fly cast. And it didn't go anywhere at all. And all we did was get cold. And uh, it wasn't a positive experience. Um, So I moved at the end of the century, 1999. I moved out here from Calgary after finishing my Master's of Science in Chemistry moved out to the lower mainland here and started working at a pharmaceutical research company in Langley and uh, had been here for that summer. And my friend, a good friend of mine growing up, childhood friend, had his family having a barbecue. And my wife looks at me during that barbecue and we were eating sockeye salmon that came out of the Fraser like the day before. And she goes, "Can, can we get some of that? And I said, I don't know how to get that, but we're going to get that. So <laughs> that, that, that was where the whole fishing thing actually began. You know, my, my dad had a fishing rod when I was growing up, but it was a spin caster. And we had a bad experience with a hook up in, you know, Sherwood Park at the pond there. And it was just, it wasn't good, right? It wasn't a positive experience. And all I thought of fishermen was sitting on the beach on a lawn chair doing nothing. And I had no idea, right? I didn't know um, until I moved out here and then started stream fishing for, you know, some salmon a little bit. Um, The guys at the pharmaceutical company were like, let's go fishing. Let's go catch some salmon. So I bought, I actually was at Brent Gill's parents shop in Langley where Mm -hmm. I bought my, my uh, Shimano convergence heavy rod and, you know, Abu Garcia, you know, reel. And uh, we would go out to the vetter and I, you know, caught fish there and this and that. And those two guys that were at the pharmaceutical company, Ian and Trevor, um, it was like late, you know, early to January, cold, dark nights. And they're like, okay, Brian, come on over to our house on Tuesday night and we're going to teach you how to tie chronomids. And I said, teach me to tie a what? And they said, don't worry about what it's called. We're going to teach you to tie it. And then we're going to go catch a fish. And it's going to like, you're going to be amazed. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like these little tiny hooks doing thread stuff. And, you know, basically I tied on the thread with a big white bead, tied on the stretch floss and then, you know, a little wire and like they weren't pretty at all at the first days, you know, but uh, Hmm. they took us, I I had, I had gotten a, acquired a float tube from a guy, you know, waders and tube and fins and we went up to Mike Lake and right against Alouette Lake there, that little pond. And we, we waddled into the lake and we're sitting in like seven feet of water and the bobber went down. And it was like a seven-inch fish that ate my fly <laughs> that I tied, right? And so I was like, oh, this is cool. And we spent some time at uh, you know a couple other lakes around the lower mainland in March, you know, when the water's four degrees Celsius float tubing and uh, you know, <laughs> catching some fish, right? And it was just like the coolest thing. And I didn't actually have a, you know, that was like lower mainland fish, you know, they weren't super huge. Um but there were big fish in that lake, uh, but we weren't, you know, privy to ha- you know, handle any of those. And then we went up to Peter Hope, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the next spring and uh, in Little Pete, I remember sitting out there in the lake and I was like trying to do it the proper way by, you know, tying my own tapered leaders out of all the different sizes of tippet, right? Oh, and, God. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, and it's windy and I like cast and wind knot and then I'm like, Oh, 20 minutes later, it's gone just like that because I just this leader's done and I'd have to tie it all again. So I learned to tie blood knots in the in the wind up there, and you know that really got me going back in the early 2000s. And uh, you know I really enjoy the chronomet fishing. You know part of it with the indicator and uh, you know stripping stripping leeches and things like that. And then uh, I, I built a little wooden boat 
that allowed me to a little more access and, you know, a little further range on a lake, which was cool. Um, and then acquired a 12 foot with a gas motor and, you know, we can go further now. And, right. and, uh, yeah, I just actually acquired a Spratly 12 foot Spratly, nice. uh, on a really good deal on marketplace, uh, back at the beginning of June. And so now I've got, uh, you know, a dream craft for myself. So it's pretty fun. That is a solid boat, like uh, no doubt. Um, so if if you look back and and you you threw, mm-hmm. you threw a few names out there already, but like if you had to say, okay, uh, it sounds like maybe those those guys at the uh, at the uh, pharmaceutical company kind of got got kind of the stoke going as far as tying yep. chronomid and chasing some fish. But throw some names at us, and <clears throat> by this, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice. By this, Brian, I don't mean you don't necessarily have to know these people, but it, I think it helps if that makes sense. And I know yeah. I know you're heavily influenced by a lot of the kind of stillwater gurus. But tell yeah. us tell us who's kind of shaped your fly fishing so far. So being in Abbotsford here, there was Hub Sports downtown on you know downtown Abbotsford, and I'd go in there and uh, I would like you know learn about different fly tying materials. And I actually talked with Daryl Martin of Trout Bum, right? Daryl worked at Hub back then, and uh, we would talk fly fishing and, you know, how and where to go and just different techniques. So that was Daryl Martin, um, you know, and so and also, you know, going to the the uh, outdoor show that was in Abbotsford at the Tradex. I remember uh, I listened to Brian Chan talk once at a, when he was doing a seminar there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I bought his book. Um, I read The Gilly. Um, you know, just learning about bugs and entomology back then in those days. And I was just taking it all in, you know, like just learning because there's just so much to learn. And I don't think it's, it's stopped even today. So there's just so much to learn and just keep on learning. So do you think, do you think that's part of it, Ryan? So you obviously got a scientific mind. I think you Mm -hmm. probably enjoy learning and, and and that curve never stops with fly fishing as, as we know, but is that kind of part of what you think you love about this yes uh, definitely it is you know there's always something to learn and uh you know being an observant angler like you go to a lake and you like pay attention to the small details like where are the birds flying you know are there is there riffle you know where's the shoal you know like now that we've got satellite images of lakes it's kind of like cheating because we don't have to know how to read a bathymetric chart anymore if they take a satellite image when the lake is thawed we can see where the shoals are right right um you know and and using a bit of technology that way to to help get you to a place um doesn't mean you're going to catch fish any easier but it might give you just steer you in the right direction so yeah there's the learning that goes on and and you know as a teacher you know, I, I am a lifelong learner and I think that's a really important value in being an outdoors person and an important part of, you know, being a creative person is just the willingness to learn and not settle for, oh, this is the way I've always done it because there's, there's always something to learn. Hmm. What, what are you teaching these days? Like, um, okay, first off, are we talking grade school? Are we talking high school? Are we talking college? <clears throat> where, where are you teaching and what are you teaching? I, yeah, I teach at a, a school called the Abbotsford Virtual School. It's in Abbotsford. We're, we're the like online distributed learning school mm-hmm. uh, for the district of Abbotsford. I teach chemistry 11, 12. Um, all of our content is in our, you know, is online for our students to get to, and I support them, answer their questions, mark their work, and things like that, so that they can progress and get their credentialing for, um, you know, get their chemistry eleven, twelve. I also teach workplace math ten and eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so working with kids that struggle with math, you know, like math isn't, you know, isn't easy, and and some people are like really freaked out by it, but just trying to be a positive, you know, voice for them and a support to go, you know what, this is hard, but we can do hard things. And, you know, it's, it's like fly fishing. Like if it was easy, we wouldn't do it. Right. Right. If, if, if we know that we're going to catch 40 fish every time we go out, I bet we'd get bored. Yeah. Right. Amen. But if, if, but if we, if we go out and, you know, like, so yeah, so that's part of the, but my online teaching that I do. And then I teach in our building, um, we have a small group of students that actually comes to our building uh, for classes on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. 
I work with them to teach them, you know, media design, graphic design. That's where the bobber down sticker idea came from was like, I, I have these tools and I'm going to make a sticker and uh, do some graphic arts work. Mm. And so I enjoy that as well. So yes, those are the kinds of things I teach. I love it. So, okay, we're, we're going to take some time to get to know you in your neck of the woods. So when, when yeah. you're headed to the interior, wherever your favorite still water is, to do a little yeah. bobber down, um, what's playing in the truck? <laughs> okay. And I knew this was coming and they, you know, like, I'm like, what music do I listen to? But true story, I put my Bluetooth speaker on and I listen to the Fly Fish 97 podcast oh, on the on. way up. I'm dead now, serious. Now you're messing with me. No, I'm not. You asked my dad and my dad's like, oh man, I learned so much just by, I don't understand all of it. You know, my dad's 85 and he's taking it in as we're going because he's like, there's just, wow, you know, and the more you listen, the more, the easier it is to, to you know, understand what people are talking about, right? Cool. So, well, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of your show and I listen to it actually and I learn stuff from the guests hmm. um, and I like the variety of guests you have because there's, they're not all just, you know, fishing guides. Right. There are teachers, there's photographers, there's, hmm. you know, like normal people that are on your podcast and that is super cool. Um, as far as music goes, I listen to one of my favorite albums is the heavy mellow by 5440 from back in the oh, yeah. early 2000s right and so that's an that's a big one and also classic rock and um yeah hmm. things like that did you did you graduate in calgary or where, where, where was your high school education i i grew up in calgary yeah. um and i grew up graduated from a high school just north of downtown um, and then I went to the University of Calgary for my bachelor's and then I stayed there for my master's and I was hoping to work for Nova Gas in Calgary and they were on a hiring freeze and that's why I had to relocate. And I'm so thankful that I did. Cool. I, I just, I love talking about people's history and we're going to get into your, yeah. your, your work history and whatnot in just a minute. I, I want to do a deep dive in your podcast too, cause I'm really sure. curious. I love talking to fellow podcasters, but <laughs> so we got your tune sorted out. Maybe there's some podcasts en route to the still, but w talk to me about patterns. And I know this is a crazy question cause I, I, it's like if somebody said to me, what's one fly pattern you can't live without? It's, it's a pretty big question, but is it a chronomet pattern for you, Brian, or is it like a, a search pattern? Like if, what are you reaching for quite often? What's your confidence fly? Confidence fly is the black and red, black body, red rib with a, you know, tuff of white on the top with a, you know, nickel black bead. And I, I, I go with that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, it's shifted a little in the past couple of years to, you know, gunmetal with silver or gunmetal with copper rib. Um, you know, I've had some good success with that. But, uh, yeah, just, yeah, Acronomid's my go-to um, as far as that goes. And I've got my rod set up all ready to go with whatever I'm going to drop in the lake right out of the gate. You know, so I leave home <laughs> ready to go. So I pull it out of the tube, assemble, and we're fishing pretty quick. I'm not sitting there tying knots on the lake waiting for it oh, all to geez. go, right? So My buddy yeah. does that, and it drives me nuts. So I'll be like, what are you using? He goes, well, whatever we finished with last time. And I'm like, I don't remember what the hell that was. But <laughs> but he, that's what he does. It's like a, not, I'd say it's like a superstition. Like, he whatever we finished with that is the fly he starts with really and more yeah. often than not he's kicking my butt um yeah. right out of the gate but it, it I, i'm kind of like a slow i have a, i got this slow roll thing where it's like i start looking around and and uh I, you know what i like to do is i like to pull something out of the box that he's never seen that i tied up the night before <laughs> like, well that's pretty you, good yeah you don't have this one <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know but uh, yeah. that's good stuff. So talk to me about where you go to get your fix on fly fishing. So I know, you know, you talked about Hub Sports. Um, I yeah. know you've got some good fly shops in your area. But, like, where do you get your fill when you're not out there fishing? Um, I go into Fred's Custom Tackle. And I've got to know the guys in there. And I, I walk in and I talk bugs in, you know, January to, to, to May. And then, you know, we talk about where to go fishing 
you know, I walk in and I'm like, I don't have to buy anything and I can learn stuff, right? We, we talk about where I've been. I'm part of the fishing report system, you know. I don't necessarily name the names of the lakes, yeah. but I'm like, yeah, I was up and the temperature was this and, you know, up in this area. And they know what I'm talking about maybe, but, uh, you know, they share information with me that helps me out. And and so that's pretty good. Hmm. Um, this past spring, you know, like at the end of March where you and I, we connected at the uh, BC Outdoors, you know, right. show in Chilliwack. You know, I, after being, so that that show was for me a really significant learning opportunity that I was excited to go learn and meet some people. Mm-hmm. But before that, I became a member of the Stillwaters Facebook group, I think probably back in 2020 yeah. or maybe just a bit before that, you know, after Brent Gill got that started. And I don't know how... I was thinking, trying to think about how it happened upon that, but I did. And yeah. I don't know how it happened, but I'm so thankful that I did because, you know, the Stillwaters community is just, just the, you know, the bomb. It's so good. Yeah, agreed. Um, guys are willing to like talk about, you know, how their fish finder works. They're willing to talk about how they set their boat up. You know, they're willing to talk about, oh, this fly pattern, this chronomet. I tied it with these materials, you know, and, and, and it's an open community. Not everybody that's in it necessarily wants to share everything. And of course we're not sharing, you know, Oh yeah, you drive down this highway to this lake, you know, you turn left and, you know, kilometer three and all that, but it's, it's about community. So Mm. going to the BC outdoors show was for me like going to a teacher's conference. I was so fired up because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to meet people. I'm going to run into people that I don't even know face-to-face, but I've been spending time with in this online space, right? And I yep. sat in the, I sat, you know, by your booth at the fly tying theater for like three hours on the most uncomfortable chair because I was just <laughs> like watching these people that yep. I've watched tie on, on Facebook, yep. but now it's in real life and we actually connected and it was so cool. So I agree. Yeah. You yeah. know what? For me, and no one's ever asked me that question, but it's still waters is it for me. And, uh, I gotta give, um, Brent Gill, uh, kudos because and and Ryan Ermit and and you know everybody that looks after that site because it does take a village but what yes. Brent's got there for community it's so cool because I, I'm on a lot of sites and I just don't feel that sense of there's no stupid questions nobody's going to call you out and if you ask a question that's been asked before you're not going to get slammed they, they yeah. knit that stuff in the bud which I love but so right. so he's at uh, Piney Point Resort Sheridan yep. Lake was at Douglas Lake Ranch, so the guy knows how to run a resort. He's always ahead of the curve, and yep. I just th- this this site, and I, I I tell people to join it all the time, but I I don't even know if you can anymore. It's like they've kind of limited it to how many people are on there because I think as they grow, yep. it gets a little out of control, and it really right. is a community, right? Like yes. you, you know what it's like. You run into Sheffy, so you're on a lake in the Merritt area. You run into <laughs> we have a mutual <laughs> buddy, and you're yep. like. He had his Fly Fishing 97 shirt on, and you're like, you know, Mark? He's like, I've known that guy since I was five years old, just so you know. <laughs> That's so, right. Oh, God. Yeah, we, I can tell yeah. you some stories. But uh, super solid dude and uh, a member of that community. And it's just like, it's it's um, kindred spirits, right? Like you said at the yeah. show, you I, I was working, but I didn't feel like I was working. I'm running no into kidding. people like yourself that I, yeah. I, I'm buying decals from online, and I don't even know it's from you, to be quite honest, until I meet you. <laughs> You're like, yes. well, I'm the guy that sent you those bobber down. So yeah. um, it's really cool community, but uh, yes. yeah, big shout out to Stillwaters for sure. So, Absolutely. Uh, Okay, I think we covered some ground here. So let's talk sports, man. So are you a sports guy? So, and, and I mean, coming from Calgary... <laughs> BC transplant. This could be interesting. What, what, it could what, be. What you... It could be interesting. I was like in Calgary when the Flames won it in nineteen eighty nine. Oh, was it eighty nine? Joel... Or ninety? It was. No. It was in ninety. It was in ninety. Joel right? Otto and and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Lanny McDonald. Mm-hmm. You know, and all those guys, right? And beat so, the Habs. Did you not? I don't was remember. It? I don't remember. Uh... But I remember going down to. 17th Ave and you know for the party that night it was pretty cool um but then we moved out here and I was a Flames fan and then it was just I I quit actually and I became a Canucks fan and I am I'm a Canucks fan now and I love the Canucks and you know they're going through a rough patch right now but uh 
you know, we got the Vancouver, the Abbotsford Canucks, the junior team, the, the baby team mm-hmm. out here. Yep. So there's good hockey in town that's related to the big teams. So that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, that's in, that, did you go to, uh, uh, what's the name of the Abbotsford team again? It's the Abbotsford Canucks. Oh, it is. Okay. So, so yeah. So they've got the same name. So do you go to many of their games? Yeah, I go to some of their games. I don't have tickets that I mm. purchase. I get tickets from my wife. You know, dentist, ha- you know, gets me tickets, and I go with buddies and stuff like that. So it's good. It's good hockey to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, and they made a made a pretty good dent in the playoffs this year, which was yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty good. Otherwise, sports wise, no football. Don't care. Uh, baseball. You know, I'm Canadian, but don't care. Um, you know about baseball. And the Blue Jays and stuff like that. I but what I am into is is Formula One racing. Ah, um, you know, and it start it started with watching Drive to Survive on Netflix. Yep. My my son was like, Dad, have you seen this show? And we sat and we'd watched you know the first three seasons, and then uh, hmm. I figured out how to watch it for free on my well, it's free. I've got Telus a Telus box, but able to record it on TSN on Sunday mornings, wherever it is in the world. Yep. And that's my that's my sports that I w- enjoy watching. So I've been watching Formula One now for better part of three years. Hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's not about watching a race. It's about watching the progression and the development and the problem solving and the design work that they do to make those cars go as fast as they do. So and it's like the progression of fly fishing, right? Like in your mm. own journey, like, you know, where'd you start? Well, I started by going to Canadian Tire and I bought the $50 Shakespeare special. <laughs> you know, that included the line, right? And the reel, you yep. know? Yep. And 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 I, I learned to use this tool and then I got a sage and that changed things not much because I didn't know how to use it very well. But it, it the whole point is that, you know, it's a progression of learning and I, that's what I like about F1 and watching the, mm-hmm. the season develop and this team struggle and, you know, the team that was on top, you know, gets knocked down and things happen, you know. So, yeah, so I, I, I like it for that reason. There's a whole lot of design work that they do, oh, yeah. not yeah. graphic design, but just the yeah. design thinking process, right? So, Well, there's a lot of science in that for yes. sure. Did you yes. – you didn't happen to mention that to Sheffy, did you? Because he is a huge F1 fan, just so you know. Nope. Yeah. Nope. You have to nope. talk to him about that. Uh, next time he has a lot yeah. of thoughts on that and he'll start talking to me and i'm like man i don't, I don't know what the hell i don't know what the hell you're talking about but that's right sounds pretty good um yeah. okay so tell us why you think you spend so much time doing this like what does it bring into brian's world like what is what is fly fishing fly tying this kind of chasing the holy grail of fish what does this do for you it uh, it brings me calm and peace. It gives me its anticipation of something that might happen someday. You know, like we we go we make our plans to go fishing, but then when it becomes that golden hour and everything's ticking and the fish are biting and you get to hold these fish, these these bits of God's creation that are the like an amazing creature in your hand. And then you let them swim away to live another day. You know, like it's yep. just fantastic. It's like these wild things that that unless you have the skill to be able to see them, you're never going to see them, right? You know, you could go out there with lures and stuff. And, you know, my father-in-law that's at my house right now, he's a gear guy. And, you know, when I first started fly fishing, he goes, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, because it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's not easy but it is rewarding because i just tied a thing that a fish ate that i faked out a wild thing and they're really smart you know um yep yeah so it brings me you know that that anticipation i was thinking about the whole bobber down thing that i you know that word and where does that what's all that all about it's like the jack in the box actually you know you're turning the jack in the box you don't know when the bobber's going to go down, and that's the, that's part of the whole thing, is that you're just focused on waiting for this bobber to drop, right? And it yeah. goes below the surface, and then you got to actually—that's where you know skill comes in. You got to respond properly to mm-hmm. be able to actually see the fish at the other end of that thing, right? So, I also think too that 
you know, we don't, it's a world we don't know. So in my mind, yeah. you know, we're sitting there in our, whether it's a pontoon boat or you're sitting in your, your Spratly, you're pulling this three or four pound creature from the depths and you fold them in their house. And it's like, I don't know. It's just like, it's yeah. for me, it's just, it's like a fantasy thing. It's like, we don't know what goes on down there. Not really. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We can put our cameras down and see, but you know, what's it like to live yeah. in a lake? Exactly. Right? Like really, you know, like, and, and the, you know what? The yeah. only, the only time that your basically will lives will cross paths with that fish is when you release it. You know what I mean? It's, or it takes your fly. It's like, That's right. it's just, yeah, I don't know. I think about that all the time. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it, it just provides focus for me, you know, like you get, it's something that I really enjoy doing that mm. I can, where I live in the lower mainland, like I can fish almost 11 months a year, 12, if I wanted to, I could fly fish almost probably 12 months a year, yeah. right? Either still water, flowing water, whatever you know mm -hmm. um and you can take fly fishing all around the world and go places with it that you know it's mm -hmm. yeah blue in nature right so fill in the blank for me when you're not on the water fly fishing what are you normally up to like do you have other hobbies i mean i know you're probably working a lot but what do you what else do you do in your spare time i uh we we my, my family, my wife and I, we enjoy snowshoeing in the winter. Nice. So, you know, we go, we enjoy hiking as well with our, our, our group of friends. And, uh, I enjoy filming. Like, you know, I got the camera out all the time and I film our outings. And then on my YouTube channel, I, I put a video of our weekend outing, you know, where our day, day trip when we go snowshoeing, you know, so other people can see it. So I enjoy like video creation. I enjoy graphic design. Hmm. Um, I got a, I got a cricket cutter for my birthday from my kids last year. And, um, you know, I can cut paper and vinyl and make decals and t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, you know, so that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, creative things, you know, like I also have, you know, sh tools in my shop and I started doing woodwork years ago. I built a wooden, you know, plywood boat from plans from Windsor Plywood from I think it was 600 years ago when it said join the bottom to the side and seal. It didn't tell you how you had to know how to do these things. So I had to learn hmm. how to make that joint so that it worked, you know, hmm. um, and woodworking actually for me came out of a necessity because we needed a bookshelf. We went looking at bookshelves and was like, that's a ridiculous price for a bookshelf, not Ikea furniture. We were looking at solid wood furniture. And uh, I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I think I can build that. Let me get a plan. And all it is is a procedure. And I just have to learn the language. Mm -hmm. And I did. I built the bookshelf that we still have in our house today. And I built a lot of other things and done rentals in my house because it's all about learning and about it's not that hard. You just got to be brave, you know, to try it. I'm going to, I'm going to generalize a little bit here and I, I don't yeah. like to do that, but most people that I have, if they're scientifically minded like yourself, they're not necessarily usually creative and it's rare that I find somebody that's very scientific, but also super creative. So you kind of, you, you, you tick a few things in the boxes when I talk to you, I'm like, this is, this guy's coming at it from a different angle. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, it does, you know, and I like the whole, the whole scientific thing, um, you know, there's the science knowledge. Okay. So there's what, what people don't know about science is that science isn't about all the information about science that we know, right? Science is about, here's a problem. I'm going to come up with a hypothesis and I'm going to see if it works and I'm going to process my world through the scientific method, right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and science is not hard. Scientific knowledge, all this body of knowledge that Einstein and Newton and all the greats came up with and people in research places come up with, that is hard, right? Like mm -hmm. we're taking a simple idea about what can we extract from an experience and learn something from we go out and sit on a lake and we like pay attention to all the other anglers around us. We pay attention to the birds. We pay attention to the wind and all these other things. And from that, we can extract a little bit of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's like our angling knowledge that is scientific knowledge that after 
20 years of doing it, people go, man, you're so smart. But it's, it's, it's a progression, like I said <laughs> before, right? Right. It, it's, yeah. that's all it is, right? It's a progression. And, uh, huh. where does the creativity f- come into that? When I was at the pharmaceutical company, like, you know, as do there, we were doing like actual novel, never been done before science. We were doing brand new things, right? Mm. And you got to be creative when you're doing some brand new things, you know, yeah, makes with sense. different types, different types of chemistry and compounds and stuff like that, how you're going to purify something that, you know, it doesn't work the traditional way. So what are you going to do to fix it and, and try something new? So, and it's about, you know, keeping an open mind going, there might be a better way. And that's where fly fishing comes in for me is that, you know, there is a better way. And I know that it's called fly fishing. So I have not heard it verbalized that well in, in 250 episodes. So that was good. Ah, um, thanks. Throw, I'm going to throw something at you. That's not in my question list, but I really want to know. Well, okay. um, name some influential books in your world. So like, um, you know, if you had to think of one or two books that really impacted you and kind of made you go, wow, um, what would they be? Not necessarily right. fishing related. Okay. Yeah. So they're not fishing related. Um, there's a book, it's an actual, it's, it's about like work life balance that I read and it was written by an educator in the States and it's changed the way I look at where does fly fishing fit into my life. Okay. And as a teacher, and you're a beginning year teacher, like in the early days and, you know, coming out of a science background and you got to try to figure out how to teach that like you work and you, you, you work and you do your job. And then you come home and like, I've got three kids. My oldest is 20, but you know, over the course of my 15 year career, I was like being a dad. Right. And, and I'd come home and do family and then I'd go to work and then I'd come home and do family. And like, it was just, this grind of the back and forth all the time. And this book talked about not just work-life balance, which is one way or the other, but it talks about your positional job, like what's your position at a, at, a, at a place, what's your profession that you do, right? So that's not necessary. That's bigger than your position. Um, what's your personal life look like? You know, your family, your exercise, things like that. And then what's your passion, right? What are you passionate about? And, and that passion part is important because without that thing to look forward to it, the the other things can be difficult, right? Mm. You know? Um, and, and some people are like, well, I just really love my job. And I'm like, well, that's cheating actually, because that's not necessarily, you know, when you retire, what are you going to do? Right. right. Like, like I got, I know a guy that retired and he's like, Oh, I think I might go fishing someday, but <laughs> it, it, I, I haven't seen it happen. Right. Like I haven't seen it happen, you know, because he hasn't tried it and pursued, pursued it before you get to that spot. Right. Hmm. And so that book was called balance like a pirate written by Sarah Johnson and uh, two other co, uh, co- two other author authors. I'm going to tell her that I, that I mentioned it on the podcast. I'm gonna. And, I'm uh, gonna look that up. Did you say balance like a pirate? Ba- balance like a pirate. Yeah. No. Mm. Balance like. No. Hang on. I have to look it up. Hang on. I'm gonna find well, it. I'll edit that. I'm gonna in. find. I might not yeah. even edit. Yeah. No. It is called balance like a pirate. I so like it. It, and, and this this comes out of uh, out of a um, publishing group out of the states, and he had a book called Lead Like a Pirate. That was that's where the the pirate idea comes from and that's an acronym for like passion and inquiry and um other words that go to make up that word pirate but yes this Mm. book changed my perspective it changed the way i look at how i live my life and why do i go and have my own podcast as well we called it you know talked about fresher at five the podcast Mm -hmm. that came out of me needing to get some exercise and how do I get my exercise? I, I did go to the gym, but then I got tired of paying for it because it was just too much, you know, it cost money. And I was, you know, behind in my time in the morning and family growing up and stuff like that, that I actually put my running shoes on and I started walking in my neighborhood and I started listening to podcasts and, you know, your podcasts and, and actually a whole bunch of educational podcasts that then I would pick up my phone 
and I would record a daily video of what I just listened to in my own words so that I could share it with the authors, the hosts, and I could share it with the world, my educational Twitter world. And then um, I started doing that. And then a podcaster from New Jersey, and he you know, called me out on his show one time and said, Brian, you need to start a podcast. And I go, what am I going to talk about? He goes, You're talking about it already. And so 130 episodes later, I just talk about what I learn as I'm walking in the mornings as I'm out on my in my neighborhood walking up and down the hills and I put that together at the end of the week into one episode and you can hear what I'm talking about so hmm. that's that that came out of that balance work life passion position thing and I'm like you know what I have to start getting more serious about fly fishing because it's an important part and my wife has bought into that because she knows that if I don't have my passion part then the rest of it doesn't work out and she's a big fan of mine fly fishing wise you know she came with me actually one time this trip you know this past at the beginning of july we went up to a lake and she was in the boat crocheting and reading her book but hmm. being nearby so that was pretty cool that i was happy cool. with that yes love it yeah so um where is your who hosts your podcast i'm curious who you use as a as a host I use um, I host mine on Anchor. Yep. Well, it used to be called Anchor. Now it's called Spotify for podcasters. So it's the Anchor platform. Yeah. Um, it's free. Um, it gets distributed to Spotify, Apple. I think on Google. I'm not sure. However, many others, but there's a way to set it up so that I just drop the MP3 file in there. I put my show notes in there yep. and my graphic, and boom, it just goes right. So. Yes, I don't have 10,000, 100,000 listeners like, you know, you do. Um, I've got, you know, 30 listeners an episode. So it's not many. That's cool. And it's, and it's not about the numbers, but yep. the people that are listening, you know, I'm actually connected with, right? I like, love that. Like to me, know, and, to me, that's more important than downloads. Like when I look at the downloads. Yeah. I'm. It, yes, it's flattering when you have, you know, 700 or a thousand downloads in one day and you yes. go well that's really cool but then and i don't know how you do it brian but on soundcloud it actually tells me okay which episodes were downloaded what what city not even country but what what specifically what wow. city are those downloads coming from it's fascinating um you would be shocked where people find you it's it's pretty yep. cool and it's like that kindred spirit thing it's like um yeah. You know, um, I had I had some people on from South Africa. We've had some people on from Wales. Name name a mm. country, essentially. But yeah. But then you get these little pockets. So, you know, if somebody listens to your podcast and they happen to be um, fly fishing and they are in some random country um, mm -hmm. chasing bonefish, you're like, oh, and and then they listen to it there. It pops up. I just find it fascinating where the downloads come from. Yeah, exactly. Like Sheffy after I ran into him, actually dead serious, we're driving down the Coquihalla, and before, as I came out of Merritt, I downloaded the episode that he was on, mm -hmm. and we listened to him talk about fishing, and it was just, my buddy and I were, like, fired up. My wife's yeah. in the back, she's having a nap, and, you know, but, like, we listened to Sheffy talk, and it's just, it's cool how, yeah. as you step into these different spaces, like the Stillwaters Facebook group people, or the podcasting world, like, it, does it kind of gives you a different street cred in different places that you can you're a creator you're a content creator and you have something to say right so I can't remember I had I was on Dave Stewart's podcast um, Wet Fly Swing and I was also on Rob um, Snow White's podcast The Fly Fishing Consultant I can't remember it was one of those two guys but they okay. they said to me that the riches are in the niches so the more like when it comes to podcasting, a lot of times it's all about self-help or financial stuff because that's very broad, right? But sometimes right. the more you can narrow down your audience, like I would rather have 100 downloads from people that are passionate about fly fishing than just, mm -hmm. you know, somebody listening for, for 30 seconds and going, yeah, that's cool. Um, yes. You know, it's it's a different way to listen. And, and so yeah. I had a radio background, and for me it's like, 
you had 15 seconds to say it and get out. But with podcasts, you can say whatever the hell you want and um, people can choose to listen, not listen. It's just a really cool platform, you know, that we, yeah. ne- we never had when we were kids, right? No, no, you know, exactly, you know. And, like, in order to listen to those things later, you had to put the cassette tape in and press record while the radio was on. Yeah. Exactly. But <laughs> what what I love is not only can you find out about fly fishing, you can find out about fishing a certain lake that you're headed to, you know, yes. uh, on a certain pattern. And like, it's, you can really do a deep dive. It's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Let's talk careers. So it sounds to me like you're living your best life. Um, but I know you were doing the chemist thing too, and now you're teaching and, and you've got the podcast. Uh, talk yep. to me as far as like... Um, day jobs is this as good as it's got so far you know the whole teaching career that i've got you know it's not an easy thing being a teacher um and i'm not just you know trying to get sympathy and all that stuff but it's a lot of work it's hard you know it's a relational thing uh working with people and students and but it's the best job that i've had like this is hands down the coolest opportunity that I have like I get to see the light bulbs come on in students eyes when we're you know designing graphics or we're learning about chemistry and things like that and just the impact that we can have so Mm. I think that's pretty pretty cool to be able to be a teacher and it's a privilege to be a teacher so what do you think the podcasting brings into your world like doing these um, episodes what does that do for you It just allows me a connection with like-minded educators that are not necessarily in my own district. Um, True story, last week, there's a group of six of us content creator podcasters from the Lower Mainland. We actually met at the Westin Bayshore downtown for dinner last Tuesday night. And we sat and we talked about life and podcasting and Hmm. just being connected and uh, it was just the coolest thing. So, you know, it's about networking and growing your, your we call it our professional learning network. Um, and, you know, you can go places and do things that, you know, you, you, we never used to be able to do before. If you're in your own little silo, in your own little classroom, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's limiting. You feel isolated. But the whole podcasting thing and, and, you know, being a teacher and going to conferences and networking, it just, it brings the whole thing to life and like Stillwaters does for fly fishing, you know, like it's so cool. Worst job. Did you ever do anything that, you know, and you might, <laughs> yeah. you might have to dig deep on this, but like, so, you know, think back to high school or whatever. Did you do something you went, man, I'm not doing that ever. Yeah. I got, again. I got two, I got two things. Okay. So the first one, was I was working at Wendy's the summer of grade 11 and that I was making, I was the French fry guy. Where's the beef? I didn't like that. Exactly. That was back in those days. Right. And I didn't like that job at all. And uh, I still enjoy Wendy's French fries probably because I didn't last very long there. So I didn't, you know, grow Hmm. a complete distaste for that. Um, But otherwise, you know, one of my worst jobs, I was in uh, university and I um, was a I was I was in chemistry and I was part of the cooperative education program and that gives you some you know work experience in the summer or over a four month period working actually in industry doing actual industry work that's related to chemistry and I was living in Edmonton and it's not because it was Edmonton I'm a Calgary guy and I didn't want to go to Edmonton but I did and I worked at an environmental company and I learned pretty quick that I did not want to do analytical chemistry I learned that and uh, I did that for eight months and it was like It became so mundane and not creative at all that I, in that process, learned about doing research and doing synthetic chemistry. Hmm. And that has now took me, you know, got me a job out here, met me some people. And now I do, you know, synthetic education, like where I make stuff up and kids get to learn it and uh, Hmm. change kids' lives. So, yes. You know know what's funny is so, so... Look, I never did amazingly well in chemistry going through high yeah. school, but somehow okay. I ended up being a winemaker. <laughs> and uh, and chemistry yeah. is a huge part of day-to-day. But I will tell you that my least favorite thing is lab, like lab numbers, running numbers. 
I, I find, for me, it's part of the story. So there's a yes. number, there's a pH, there's a TA for, you know, um, mm-hmm. acidity. There's there's free sulfurs. There's, there's these numbers that we look at, and they tell you a story. But at the yes. end of the day, it's not how you make good wine. Not really. And you know what I mean? Like, you can take the best wines on the planet and look the, look at them, and you go, well, this was like a 90 eight points out of a hundred in wine spectator and these are the numbers it doesn't add up that way there's but there's no. there's a range but it's yes. it's like a necessary it's a necessary part of the job but it's not for me I've, i i'm like you i feel no there's no passion there for me and some people feel that it's like they're just happy oh, to yeah. be in the lab and run the numbers yeah. and i'm like man yeah. i just i don't not that i don't care because i do care but yes. it's, it's, for me, it's the least exciting part of the job. You know, when I was in university in my undergrad, I was like, man, I want to be an analytical chemist. I want to like count the number of caffeine molecules in a cup of coffee. Why? Because I want to. And I, right. <laughs> and then I learned how to do it. Yeah. And then I learned that when you have to count the cup of coffee on, you know, the, you know, every day for, for eight months, you don't want to do that anymore. Right. You don't, (laughs) you don't. And I I learned from that about doing research. My next job was a research job and, you know, we didn't get positive results doing that research that I, on that project I was on for six months Mm. and I went to work every day and okay. So, so maybe another worse job, was three months into that when I walked into my supervisor's office and I went, this is not good. I said, man, I had nightmares last night about this. He goes, you just got to stop taking your work home. Leave it here. <laughs> like, it's not going to change by you thinking about it at home, right? You know, yeah. and, and about compartmentalizing and putting it away. And, you know, I, I started hiking with a friend of mine and we would hike every weekend of that summer and it made work a whole lot better because I had something I was looking forward to mm-hmm. outside of my job, right? Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and so there you go. So we used to do, uh, and I'm going to get all nerdy here, but um, viable yeast cell counts on sparkling wine. So when you're trying to re-ferment champagne, essentially, um, okay. you put it on a slide and you'd count the actual viable yeast cells per and then you do the math to figure out how but at the end of the day does it make the wine any better no it, it just tells you that chances are this will re-ferment and it's there you like, go. well yeah it's better it, than not doing all the work and not knowing it's going to re-ferment yeah, so yeah. that science helps you make some tactical decisions yes that right kind of like the temperature of the lake you arrive and mm-hmm. you look at the temperature and you go no, we're 72 degrees Fahrenheit. It might be tough today, right? How, how about that throat sample when you're, then you got it in front of your face. It's like, do I have, Absolutely. Do I have this chronomet? <laughs> or it's all full of glassworms and you're like, oh, this is going to be a tough one today. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. I love it. Paint me a picture. Your perfect day. What does that look like? So, um, I assume it's on the still, but, uh, maybe not, um, like, I always like to get my guests to tell me your dream day, Brian. Like, what does it look like? Who are you hanging out with? Um, mm. Maybe there's some crocheting going on in the boat. I don't know. <laughs> like, right. what, what does that look like? Yeah. Perfect day. I knew this question was coming, and I was pondering it earlier today. And, uh, you know, I love to camp, and I love to go up and set up a camp on a lake um, and do that. But my actually, my perfect day would be to wake up at like 5.30 a.m., make a pot of coffee and or, a, you know, a, a cup of coffee and head out of my garage and, uh, you know, make sure my boat's hooked up to my truck properly and actually roll up country with a buddy. Like get in the truck, jump in. You know, he met me at my house and throw his gear into the truck and we head up country and we pull into a lake at about, you know, 8.30 after we've made a stop in Merritt at McDonald's for breakfast, right? And we we get to the lake and we put the boat in the water and, you know, the, the, the initial excitement and enthusiasm of like trying to figure it out and then we dial it in and we get it figured out and it's just banging until like five o'clock in the afternoon and we get back to the boat launch and you know we haven't probably killed any fish at all um 
you know, that's a good day when you get to handle fish and not, not have to put, you know, kill them. Um, and then we, we drive home and, you know, you stop in Merritt again for, you know, a bite to eat and you roll back down the Coquihalla and it's just, a, it, that's good. And I was like trying to figure out whether the whole camping trip is, is a perfect day or whether it's the day trip. And I like the day trip. It's a long bit of driving, mm-hmm. but it, 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 I don't know, heightens the whole, I had a really cool experience today experience thing. I, I feel that I, I, I get it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love camping, but yeah. on the, on the, on the day trip, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And it kind of, there's a framework. Yes. You know? Uh, yes, for sure. So no triple O's. It's always McDonald's and, uh, and merit. Like you don't, yes. you don't mix it up. Yeah. Well, maybe we might stop and grab, you know, dinner at A&W. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Outside the not trip, not triple O's, not there, triple O's. There's so. no Wendy's there. Or you would be all over that. That's right. That's my <laughs> wife's name. So of course, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Have you had any crazy things happen to you out in the water? Like any, any stories that come to mind, Brian, that you'd go, this, this was weird. Yeah, or it was absolutely. I was with my father-in-law. We were up at, uh, uh, Davis Lake up in the Kane Valley oh, there, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah. okay. So we were there and, uh, we're sitting on the shore having lunch after we'd fished and, you know, fishing for me was kind of tough. This was back in the earlier days when I was still learning how to do it. Um, and so we're sitting there on shore and on, you know, we're watching and these two mallards, you know, his and hers coming booking across like quack, 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 quack. Hmm. And then out of nowhere, the bald eagle drops out of the sky and picks off the dude, like knocks him to the water and she's gone. She's keeping on going, right? Hmm. And so this male mallard hits the water, right? And he gets, because he's stunned because he just got whacked by an eagle. And the eagle circles around and then dives at the mallard and the mallard dives under the water and the eagle comes back up and the mallard comes back up and this happens eight or ten times and the mallard's <laughs> getting more tired right and that's the point is that the me- the eagle's going to get a meal because the mallard's going to drown or not be able to get away right? right and so this is going on and on and then all of a sudden this is the game changer the loon comes out of the south and chases the eagle away because he's like, get out of my lake. Wow. Yeah. And the mallards lived and flew away. It was huh. amazing. It was the craziest thing. Crazy, crazy. I love nature stories, right? It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. we think we know what's going on and then, wow, cool. Yeah. Is there anything about what's going on out there right now that you're not totally comfortable with like where do you think we're at in the world of fly fishing like when i when i think back to because i've been doing this since i was probably 12 and i'm in my um, you and i are about the same age yeah for me it's like i think we're in a pretty good place um things have changed a lot there's a lot more people doing it there's people spending money out there which is cool i mean i mean the fly shops are you know, there's maybe not as many as there used to be, but mm-hmm. I feel like the community's pretty, pretty passionate and pretty yeah. sharing. Yeah. What do you think? I see, I see a bunch of young guys. Like I look at myself back when I started back in my thirties, like I wasn't even young then. Like I was in my thirties when I started this whole thing. Um, and I've been doing it now for about 20, 22 years. Um, and I, I really enjoy it, but it really gets me fired up to watch, the young guys, and I don't know how they get started when they're young, like in high school, other than they know a friend that maybe takes them to the fly shop and they get some bugs and they go catch fish and they get excited that way, right? Like I think it's I think it's so cool to watch the younger generation learn to do this thing that we find so important in our lives. Yeah. yeah you know? I do. And so I, I think that that's really important. Um, fancy gear kind of bugs me. Um, I'm going to say it because I, I can't afford fancy gear, but at the end of the day, the Shakespeare fishing rod combo guy that I was had the same problem that the Sage or the G Loomis fishing combo guys had. And that is you got to fake out the fish and it doesn't matter how fancy your fishing rod is everybody's got the same problem 
every day when we go fishing, right? I love that. That's so true. I find you that know? a lot too, because I, I do talk to a lot of gear heads. Um, and I struggle with that because I think most people that are truly passionate about anything, yeah, the gear is important, but it's bigger than the gear. Absolutely. You know? Yes. Yes. It very much is, you know, but right now I can go catch fish with what I've got and learn to use it so that when I yeah. acquire somehow someday that fishing rod, I can appreciate it even more. Can right. You, can you tell me, Brian, what are you fishing like rod wise? I'm an, I'm an echo guy. Um, mm -hmm. I have a sage. I got a sage that I have had for almost 20 years. Are we talking and, like uh, an XP or a launch or a, what, what, are, what are we talking here? Or in the uh, sage? Is there a, D, a D3? I can't read. Really, I don't I even don't know. know what model it is. But but it's not a nine foot rod anymore. It's eight foot ten because the tip <laughs> the tip got broken off and I just put a new new end on it. Yeah. Um. But I'm running an Echo. I'm an I'm an Echo guy. I mm -hmm. like their the way they put their stuff together. Yeah. It works for me. It's you know it's in my price point. Um. You know I can have a few rods with me in the boat when I do that as opposed to one rod that I you know so I I mm -hmm. carry like when I go by myself I'm carrying at least three fishing rods for me when I go fishing. So I, I'm with you. I love echo. Yeah. I think, well, I have an echo and it's, uh, it's a good quality rod and it's a reason, reasonable price as is, you know, the other ones you're talking about. And that's, yeah. that's the thing that I think that for me, I, I'm not that guy that usually goes out and spends a crazy amount of money on gear, but I, I did buy an Orvis, uh, geez, I don't even know, maybe 10 years ago. It was, a uh, it's that real fast action one they have. Oh, shoot. Uh, the name's escaping me right now. Um, but it's super, super fast action rod, like in the 10-foot, 5-weight. And it's it's bar none, the best rod I've ever had. But I've also mm -hmm. caught a... It doesn't help you catch more fish, per se, right? Like, I mean, right. I've had yeah. a Reddington 10-foot, 5-weight that I loved. I had an Echo 10-foot, five, 5-weight. Five I got my... my uh, my Brent Gill special there. Uh, yeah. And I love it. Like, uh, it, it's great too. And I, there's, I, I love what you're saying there because I think a lot of us, um, and I, I, I talk to a lot of guides and they're sponsored. So they got to say what they like to use, but at the end of the day, yeah. it gets you out in the water. Um, if, yeah. it's, if it's a little lighter, a little faster action and my casting sucks, right? That's, um, I know that, but it, so for me, a faster action rod is actually a little easier to cast than some of the, yeah. the, the glass or, cause I, I had glass rods back in the day and it was like, man, these high modulus, super fast graphite rods are fast. And I look, you can look like a hero in a hurry, mm -hmm. but it doesn't help That's you right. catch more fish, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Are you, are you a yeah. big line guy? Like how important is the line to you or the reel? Like, is that stuff important? Um, not significant. Like I do a lot of stripping, so I'm not on the reel, you know, using the drag system on the reel a whole lot. Like I will manage it with, you know, my finger, uh, you know, on the, on the rod as I'm playing the fish, you know, so that's the reels not super important. Mm -hmm. Um, though, but I haven't gotten into the, you know, eight to 10 to 12 pound rainbows that just take off and you need that drag. So I'm not there fish size wise yet. Um, so that's not super important. I'm running a gray reel system. So I, you know, yep. those up years ago. I like it cause you know, each reel comes with four cassettes and I've got 12 cassettes. They're not all full, but then that I can have lots of variety of lines that I have with me and, you know, be able to mix and match as I, as I go through my day. Right. So that's, uh, that's important to me. Yeah. 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 I feel that. Um, bobber down. So if we want to maybe, um, get some of your cool decals, um, uh, and yes. believe me, my boat is, I look like a, a NASCAR. You talk about, you talk about <laughs> formula one. I got a little NASCAR going on on my journey right now with your decals and all the ones I keep running into. Um, how do we get your bobber down decals? Uh, okay. So I'm, I only have a limited supply. I'm not making them all the time. Cause I, I ordered them from Sticker Mule, so if you guys are looking for a place to get decals and stickers made, send them an image, and they can make stickers out of it, which is pretty cool, right? And so um, I ordered them from Sticker Mule, 
And uh, I think I have probably about 20 left, 20 to 25 of these left. Um, I could get into printing some more if I really needed to. Um, but I think, I don't know, maybe that maybe it's gone and, and the people that have got them have got them. But uh, you can always look me up on, you know, Stillwater's Facebook group. You could uh, look me up on Facebook itself at Brian, at, you know, b-r-y-o-n carpenter uh from abbotsford and uh drop me a dm that'd be cool and i could uh send you a form to fill out and i could send you stickers so hmm. yeah yeah i i think that's cool um what about your youtube channel um so if we want to keep up with what you're doing out there and your trips yeah what's your youtube channel my youtube channel is brian carpenter on youtube that's just my name uh, it doesn't have anything fancy or special there. And I've got my playlist, the outdoors adventures. And, uh, typically it's more hiking and snowshoeing because I'm not going to make a film about me going to a lake because, well, you know, you get that background shot and everybody knows where you are. So I, I don't actually film a whole lot other than takes, you know, still photos of my, uh, mm. my fishing days. Right. So fishing is more, that's more of a sacred and a sacred, you know, quiet, you know, thing, you know, and I I put pictures on still waters and things like that and on Facebook a little bit. But if there's too much background in there that, you know, everybody knows you're at Tonkwa because they can see the lodge in the background (laughs) or the, or the copper, the copper roof. They're like, Oh, you're just off the buoy there in the weed bed. Right. It's like, no, you know, you you don't want to do that, you know? So I think it's really great what, you know, the, the guys that make TV shows do, but I think it also can wreck a lake in a real hurry if everybody and their dog is going there because they just watched it on Saturday morning, you know? <laughs> I can't remember who did this, but they had that picture on still waters of this giant rainbow that I think they caught in the Thompson. Uh, and it was, uh, the background was Morgan. And it just messed some people up. Like it really, <laughs> people were just calling them out. And I'm just, I was laughing because I just thought <laughs> if you could be creative enough to throw some background, that's like, or, 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 no. or that obvious lake where, you know, there's nothing over a pound and you're, you're holding up a 10. Uh, yes, kudos. exactly. Love it. Exactly. I know. And that's where the whole graphic design and we can, you know, make stuff up, which we shouldn't maybe depending on what we're trying to do. If we're having fun, then that's cool. But you know, it gets into, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a little graphic design and wizardry and you're, you're going to be like, what, where, where did you catch that? You know, they got rainbow trout in Hawaii, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fre- exactly. Fresh air at five, your podcast, yes. where do we find you? You can find me on Spotify. Uh, it's a pretty good spot or Apple podcast. And, uh, that's a whole lot of teacher geek speak that I do there. Um, but you know, it's about me and my, my life and my walking around every day of the week. So, um, I try to get out, you know, four to five days a week in the mornings at 5am to learn and grow myself as a teacher. So yes. If you go to look Brian up, look, uh, at the spelling. I will tell you that's the tip. B R Y O N. You're the only guy I've ever talked to that had uh, Brian spelled like that. B R Y O N. On no YouTube. kidding. Eh? I, I so much appreciate your time tonight, Brian, and I uh, love what you're up to. And hopefully you and I can, can get out. Maybe we can harass uh Sheffy into coming out to join us and uh, keep up the good work with Bobber down with fresh air at five and with your teaching and educating and, uh, chasing fish on the still appreciate you man absolutely marks thanks so much for having me and it was really it's pretty it's an honor to be on uh, the fly fishing 97 podcast this will air on saturday thanks so much for joining us this time around we'll catch you next time thanks for listening to the fly fishing 97 podcast powered by the flycrate.com your source for all things fly fishing Wait For It Films, featuring fly fishing videos and camera-related content. Custom music from Damian Anderson and by BrokenTippet.com.